I was privileged to have known Brother John Dynas on a deeper and more personal level of the last eight months of his life. I had known him for many years, but in these last few months, it seemed like I had known him all my life. Even to the point that he made me feel like one of his children. I also had the honor and privilege to have him there in the last moments of his life and to see him and his race on this earth to begin his journey to his eternal home. Being close to this man who was, for many of us, a brother, a father, a grandfather, and a friend, I learned the value of relationships based on love, honor, and respect. I remember when he visited us for the first time in Mexico last April, when I welcomed him, he gave me a hug that captured my heart. We cried with joy to be together again, but now in Mexico. And I felt that his love was like a hook that grabbed, that grabbed me and did not let go. In the time he was there, he taught us without words how to love, care, and have honor for others. I was even a little frightened to see how much he valued and respect me and others. That changed my life. I'm truly grateful to have been close to dear brother John. This last Christmas, he went with his family to visit the church in Mexico and be with us for our Christmas music program. In the program, I shared something with everyone that I had felt in that time, and I would like to read it now to all of you. These past days, several of us were quite sick, and it was a difficult time for all of us. We canceled meetings, get-togethers, and music practices. Something that touched me very much during this time of illness was watching my wife's care for me and how she tried to help me so that I could feel better. During those same days, when I started with the illness, I overheard Brother Safrid saying to someone else, what a great thing you are doing to take care of your grandpa. You don't know what an honor it can be to be close of your grandfather right now, and one day he will only be a memory. But sometimes we don't know that we are with great and important people in our lives until one day they are no longer with us. We don't want to regret it later, better to serve them now. And when I heard that, I thought of my wife and I felt so much more appreciation and love for her. And at the same time, a scripture came to my mind. The quote that is in Luke 24, where the two disciples were on their way to Emmaus and how their hearts burned as they talked to this man who came to them on the road and they talked about what had happened in those days in Jerusalem. But the story says that they did not recognize him until he broke bread in front of them and then disappeared. Then 
they realized that it was the same Jesus with whom they had talked and walked. And they say to one another, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Later, we know the story that they ran off to tell the other disciples what had happened. Sometimes, that's the way it is in our lives. We have in front of us great, important, and valuable people. Maybe we walk with them. Maybe we talk with them. Maybe we live with them. But we might not recognize them until they are somehow not with us. I believe that in this time, we shall reflect and ask ourselves, where am I? And who am I with? And not, not as something simple or fleeting, but actually be aware of where and with whom we are. To learn to recognize this feeling of love and connection with people that sometimes, although we feel it, life situation prevent us from being fully aware. I believe that sometimes we can have much more than we think we do, and maybe we don't fully realize it. Maybe sometimes we ask without knowing that we already have what we need. We have life, family, friends, brothers and sisters, but above all, we have Jesus who keeps coming us on the road to Emmaus to meet with us to talk, maybe to give us advice or perhaps to ask us for advice. I believe that Jesus was not only born or stayed a baby or just died, but he grew up and he was to live in us so that he could continue to show the world his love, his service, and continue to be a hope for others through our lives. This is what I share on December 23rd without knowing that Brother John Dynas was one of those people to which I was referring. I am happy to say that I was one of the people, as well as all of us together here, who saw Jesus through Brother John. I looked at Jesus loving, caring, embracing others on this earth through Brother John Dynas. Psalms 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And I am a witness that Brother John obeyed this description and literally made it a reality in his life. He entered the gates of God's house with praise and thanksgiving. His last words were, Amen and thank you, Jesus. I knew Brother John most of my life, but over the past two years, got to know him a lot more um, after I married my wife, Ari. She's Edder's cousin from Mexico. And uh, when she would come and spend time with the community here, she would spend her time there with Brother John and his family. And they adopted her as a daughter. She spent about a year and a half with y'all. And so when I came along, I became the adopted son. And we spent many times there drinking tea and spending wonderful times together. And, I never had realized what a wonderful man he was until I was able to spend that much time with him. I think everyone in Mexico felt the same way towards him. 
uh, we went down this past uh, Christmas to spend time in Mexico, and I went down there to uh, try to help and support, and, but the John was down there at the same time. What he did, is, as Edder said, without words, was so much deeper and beyond what any of us could have ever done. After his passing, over and over again, all these people began coming and telling stories that we never knew. And I remember uh, Carlos coming and telling stories of the conversations he had while Brother John was here, and he'd call him and encourage him. And young men that I, were, I was trying to help came and spoke the words that he had spoken to them. And it's been a privilege to be with y'all, be part of the family. I heard Brother John's sister said that if I didn't adopt her as my aunt, that the wrath of the dinosaurs would be upon me. So I have even more family now. While he was there, he shared something with few people that I wanted to share with y'all today. He, he read a scripture from Job 26, 14. It says, Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways, and how small a whisper we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? And he read from the NIV version that says, These are but the outer fringe of his works. And he held up a blanket that had fringes on it, and he said, We see all these little pieces and he said, God sees the whole blanket. And that touched many lives, both here and in Mexico, gave us faith that what God has already done is so small in comparison with what he wants to do. And it built faith in us, and it, that was the faith that he had for, for the church in Mexico, for us. And I thought of this song that we sing here that says, we believe in all the great things you have done, but we believe that greater things are still to come. And that was the faith that he instilled in us and I, I think of him now, and I, I thought of the faith chapter in Hebrews, and I thought of him in that great cloud of witnesses, the faith that he had was so much more than we could even imagine. And I, I picture him up there with the cloud of witnesses, and I believe he sees that work that we don't even see yet, and he's welcoming it from afar. Wow. My dad was loved by many, as I can see and this is just a representative I know, and, and he loved you all too. And I'd like to, on behalf of my mom and our family, thank you all for coming today and for being with us during this time. I'd like to share a few things about the man that I was privileged to call Papa. He was a man, as has already been said, of integrity and with a genuine love for people. I know many here could say, they felt very special to him, loved by him in a very special way, and it was true. He loved us sincerely. And I remember one time somebody, many people over the years have told me, I love your dad, and then they would go on to tell, tell some way he had, what he had meant in their life. And one day someone told me, you know the word that comes to me about your dad? care. And that really summed it up in a lot of ways, the, the motivating force of his life. He also always worked with diligence to have both physical resources and spiritual resources to share with those who were in need. He saw people who needed something, and this care motivated him to share. I remember I was a very small girl when uh, one of the first memories of this kind of thing, he at that time worked for the Kmart store and was a manager, and he saw a young couple 
from a different country, struggling to speak English, and something had gone wrong with their financial situation. I don't know all the details. But before we knew it, they were having dinner at our house and spending the night, and we suddenly had friends from France. <laughs> and that, over the years, that was how my dad was. After we came to this community, that gift came to a different level of expression and maturity. And I can say, as was mentioned, he had his own business. And many, many times, in addition to the quality work that he did, I would hear him telling my mom, honey, Mrs. So-and-so's husband is having surgery this week. Please write down that I want to call her next week and see how he's doing. So many expressions of care over the years, not only in his work, but as a friend. And like Nat mentioned, um, his wife stayed with us, and she was one of many adopted daughters. <laughs> we, had, we have quite the family now. And they would sometimes stay for a night, for a week, or for months. But my dad opened his heart and his home to anyone who needed something. I remember so many times we would have quite the group of girls around the, the dinner table. and We have a few families from Israel here in our community. And when those girls who are now mommies themselves, <laughs> a lot of them, um, when they were young, we babysat them quite a bit. And I remember he would look with a twinkle in his eye around the table and he'd try out his Hebrew with a an authentic Texan accent. <laughs> I remember one time when he would start to tease them a little bit with that again, and he would say the word which means kind of like sweetheart or honey. He would look down the table and say, Hamuda. Now, Sophia can give you the real pronunciation of this, but they, he had them laughing, giggling all over the place. And after one of these moments, Renana, who I think was about two at that time, put her little hand on her chest and said, Brother John always makes me laugh. <laughs> and he did. Dinner around our table was a family time. And we laughed together. We cried together. He always wanted to know, what, how's everybody doing, and what went on, and what happened at the craft village, and who did you talk to, and it was a time of connection and family, conversation, and one of the young ladies who stayed with us for a little while while her mom was having a new baby, afterwards I heard secondhand that she said, yes, the dinosaurs all eat dinner together, and usually they talk for about 30 minutes after they're done eating. <laughs> But that was, that was part of what I think those who stayed in our home felt from my dad. Many times, those conversations led into something that he gave. Like I said, he worked to have spiritual and emotional resources to help those who needed it. And oftentimes, he would begin to share from what he had read, from what he had prayed about. And people not only had dinner at that table, but they received nourishment and strength for what was going on in their lives. 
I spend a lot of time in our community in Mexico, and I cannot tell you how many times a text would come in and it would be my dad saying, I was reading this scripture. I don't know what's going on right now, but I thought you might need this. Or, here's a song. I thought about you and the brothers and sisters down there. Time after time. And even if I didn't know who it was for, inevitably, within a day or two, I would think that's who that was for. He always sent it right on time. He knew where to get those resources. I remember so many times thinking back towards what my parents had shared with me that they had a profound experience with God in the late 70s. And from that time, every time he came up to a decision, to a struggle, to a need, he would seek, what is God speaking about this? Just seeking the direction of God and knowing that there was something that God was going to speak to him. When I was about to turn eight years old, he had been in, like I said, he had been in the Kmart stores, the management program, and he felt this need to be with us more as a family. And that need to be with us and to meet our needs caused him to make a shift. He moved into a different business, a cut in pay, but he started investing in relationship. And then, as the years went by, my youngest brother was born with many physical difficulties. But through that experience, we met somebody who told us about this community. And again, he recognized the direction that God was leading him. And we came to visit and began getting to know the community here, and we recognized home. That was the end of 94, beginning of 95, that we came to be a part of this community. And that really characterized his whole life, seeking what is the direction that God is giving us for this situation. Recently, very recently, he had, like was already mentioned, he had last year really wanted to go visit our community in Mexico for quite some time. And he was very excited about meeting people that had not been able to come here. And we had a wonderful visit in April. And then I felt pretty sure that he was going to want to go back. And he told me, he said, I really feel like we're supposed to go for Christmas. There was something in him that was sure of this was the, t the timing that God had for us. And then right, shortly before that, he said, your mom and I are going to go to El Paso for a few days because we need to see our brothers and sisters, our, our family, our siblings. He was so sure about that. There was something that he said, this time, this is the time that I need to, and they came back so excited about the time they had with you all. And little did we know, I don't think he even realized what was gonna happen, but he heard a direction from God and he moved on it in that timing. And then we went down to Mexico and he didn't feel 100%, but he shared 
a lot of things as much as he could in the, those few days. And the day before he passed, the scripture he woke up with was, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord, and he will make your path straight. He shared that with us, and he showed us how to do it. And we, didn't, we don't understand everything that happened, but he taught us how to trust and how to acknowledge the Lord, and the Lord made the path straight into his presence for this man. And as I, after all the paperwork that had to be done, as I stood in a little tiny funeral home in the heart of Mexico, next to the body, the folded up tent, the funeral home man told us, said there were two things that the people who prepared the body said. One was, do you see this man's face? He died in peace. And the other one was, you can tell this man did things right. And I went back and I told my mom, even that shell, that folded up tent, was testifying. And I remembered that scripture that he had shared with us the day before. And I felt like he didn't just speak the words to us. He showed us how to do it. We got to know Brother John and Sister Kathy's family back in 1995 when they had joined our community. Their girls babysat our children numerous times through the years, when we had new babies and other times. Their family helped us joyfully and faithfully during many hard times and difficulties. The refiner's fire of pain and suffering that brushed their life prior to joining our community brought out the pure gold of love and care for other people that marked the lives of their precious family all these years. I had the privilege of helping Brother John and his girls during the construction of our sanctuary in 1998 working on the beautiful shutters that he built for the Santa Fe Hall. Brother John was like one of these pillars who upheld our sanctuary building. Always there, steadfast and faithfully standing in his place. I wanted to share one example that to me spoke volumes about who Brother John was. Back in 2010-2011, I was fighting cancer and going through chemotherapy treatments. Brother John and Sister Kathy graciously offered to do grocery shopping for our family of nine people. Numerous times when they came with a full load of groceries to our house, I wanted to reimburse them. Brother John, with his kind smile and persistent, always refused to get reimbursed. It was one of his many unseen gifts of love to be rewarded in eternity. He was a loving, caring, 
wonderful man of God, and his memory will stay in our hearts for the rest of our life. I'm the other family from Israel that Ben, you could probably hear from my accent. We are from East Texas or East of Texas. However, it's interesting to hear that many of us have the same uh, encounter with the Dinos' family. I heard they are coming here, the day the family coming here, little did I know that they've been driving three and a half hours to a Friday night meeting. I believe Brother John was finishing his work in, in Kmart, come home and the car was loaded, ready to take off to make the Dallas traffic in time for the three and a half hours trip. I heard it years later. You did find your neighborhood church just in our neighborhood. <laughs> and we start knowing you a little bit. But when I really, the same kind of uh, feeling as everybody shared is that we were needed to have uh, a mobile home so we can live in because we were occupying somebody else who graciously let us stay in his, their mobile home when we came back from Israel. And we were looking and couldn't find and then Brother Doyle told us um, the dinosaurs had an old mobile home in uh, Sulphur Spring that they were planning to live in when they built the home, I think, before God changed their direction. And they want to give it to you. I said, oh, we couldn't find one. That's going to be incredible. How much is it? And Brother Doyle said, they don't want to get paid. They just want to give it. And I remember I asked him again, uh, I just want to know, he said, they just say they want to give it. So we didn't argue, but uh, we had the blessing to live in you all's mobile home for quite a few years. And uh, Gretchen already told you that they babysit many of the Israeli girls, and indeed, there is one Hebrew words that have been added to the Hebrew language through Brother John, and we're going to have to practice how to say it right now in an El Paso, Texas accent, because uh, it's Hebrew, it doesn't sound good anymore. <laughs> it's a word, sweetie, that he will tell, and everybody knew him for it. But Gretchen did very good in saying it. We all knew about it. That's one of the only time that we have this thing. I think last year, we were in Mexico, together. I've been working with a church in Mexico for the past 20 years, and we were there. We had a wonderful time. I decided uh, to bless Brother John and Sister Kathy, so I took a picture of my wife and I with their daughter Gretchen that um, we adopted in Mexico, and sent him a little deal and said, how do you like my picture with my adopted uh, daughter from Mexico? Beautiful picture. It wasn't long before I'm getting a picture back of Brother John and Sister Kathy holding a little baby and say, how do you like my, our new adopted granddaughter from Montana? <laughs> I didn't realize it was my granddaughter in Montana. <laughs> Amen. He had a sense of humor. And... <laughs> We laughed a lot. And um, what I say, what I want to say, when uh, I discover on a plane coming back from Mexico, 
I realize that Gretchen has started studying Spanish. And every time we have a get-together with the Spanish brothers and sisters come here, Gretchen will come, and suddenly I see her sitting in the back there and translating in meetings. And I said, whoa, she has mastered the language. If you translate in the middle of a meeting, you need to know what you're doing. And she would come to us to Mexico on, on a plane on the way back. I heard for the first time that Brother Jones, your mother, was Mexican who spoke Spanish. And you told me yesterday that you all were fluent in Spanish until you went to public school and lost it for the English. Well, Gretchen decided to regain it, thankfully, and we needed it. She spent many, many months and time helping our community in Mexico. And the feeling was always that uh, this father and mother are behind her. It's not simple to take your daughter and send her on the mission field, and I always was trying, but there was nothing of, well, it'd be nice if she can come to Christmas, or you think which she could do whatever she wants, she would just tell me what she feels, and I always told her, talk with your dad, see what he feels. And he was 100% and more behind it. Then I discovered he wasn't just behind it with hair. The whole family was behind it more than with hair. And after he came back from the last trip uh, there in April, he told me with a little twinkle in his eyes that um, I'm not sure he just said it's not the last time, but I think he might even mention something about retirement or something in a nice place in Mexico. I felt like his heart was really fell in love with this. And uh, one of the men, that one of the visitors there, have said after he passed that one day he had a really hard time and he called Brother John and he said, uh, He's not part of us yet. He's visiting and he's told Brother John, I think I'm going to quit. I just feel alone. And Brother John told him, go out. Look up at the sky. Do you see the stars? He said, yes. He said, that's all of those that are looking at you and more. And the man broke down crying and said, I'm going on. The right man in the right time. And... Uh, I just thought, you know, when you're in Montana, in the community in Montana, and you go to the neighbor, you might have a little surprise if the wind is blowing in your face. Because you feel like you're walking, you're walking against an incredible resistance of the wind, and the wind in Montana is strong. I'm just a visitor in Montana, but when you turn back to go from the neighbor home, you can barely move your leg because there's so much wind pushing you in the back. And that's what I feel what Brother Joan has been to our community in Mexico and to our community here and for so many of us. He was the wind pushing in the back. It never stopped. And uh, I want to say that sitting together with the family and being since he passed, there is a sustained feeling of Brother John who never left us and will never leave us. The wind is still blowing in our back, you know. And I realize that the reason for that is simple. 
If God is love, and love is stronger than death, the Bible said, many water cannot quench love, and even death cannot defeat love. And what we feel, the comfort that we feel that we need in this time is that he there, we are here. And he helped to build another piece of the bridge that helping all of us who are here to keep finding our way to there. And on this bridge, there's always wind blowing in our back of the grace of God. And dear wonderful family, we are so happy you're here. I know John is happy. You're here and we are here. And this is just the beginning of more of building this bridge that's gonna take us to the other side. We love you, we're with you, and thank you for allowing us to know the life of your wonderful brother and uh, brother-in-law, and, and we have been together and we will be together. Nothing will set us apart. He keep encouraging us. I gave you, I gave you an example. I lived it now, you turn, let's keep, stay close to the same God and the wind will take us, amen. I'm not from Israel, if you can tell from my, my accent. It's a, it is a privilege to be here, to be with y'all. I've been sitting here listening to these other folks sharing their hearts and the feeling I've got is that um, we're getting a picture there's a, there's a portrait being painted of a man. And I want to just try to add a few strokes to it. I hope, hope we'll fill it out a little more. From my perspective, <clears throat> I've known Brother John for almost 30 years. It's been a privilege to be a part of y'all's life. I've counted him as a friend, uh, a dear brother, everything that's already been said. And uh, I've been thinking about him a lot as you can imagine, these last few days and what would be appropriate to share today. And I've been, I've been drawn to a, a passage in the Gospel of Matthew. It's the 25th chapter. And uh, I found myself reading it, reading it, and it, it just it struck me of how accurate the, the description is in this, in this passage of, of Brother John. It's made of three parables. And... I think Jesus used parables a lot because he allowed him to paint a picture and see something without telling. And I was, I was struck by, when you read through these parables, I'm not going to read them all, but I'm going to read a few verses and see if you don't see something here. The, the continuity, the, uh, the consistency of everything that's already been shared. The first parable that chapter 25 starts with is known as the, the parable of the ten virgins. I recently learned that more, maybe a more accurate um, translation of that word would be the ten bridesmaids or even the ten torchbearers. And I like that one the best. I think it fits Brother John. I think it fits the parable. It's a simple story. It tells about ten believers. We'll call them the torchbearers. And uh, they're all gathered together. They have their lamps. Their, their lamps are burning. And they're waiting. And they're expecting the arrival of a wedding party. 
and they, they're anticipating the bridegroom to show up. And as it unfolds, it looks like the, the arrival is being delayed. He's not coming when, when they thought he would. And evidently the day, the evening turned into night and they got longer and longer and they all got sleepy. And they all went to sleep. And then somewhere in the middle of the night, around midnight, it says that the announcement came. The, the bridegroom is arriving. And they all woke up. And here we start seeing the distinction between the two groups. And from here on, the five of them that were ready, the, their lamps were still burning in the middle of the night. The, the writer describes them as the wise ones. The five that had run out, realized their lamps were going out, realized that they were in trouble. And from then on, they're described as the foolish ones. And it, it describes how they, they made an appeal to the wise ones to share. Give us some of your oil. We, we need your oil. And, and the wise one says, we can't. We can't give it to you because otherwise we're not going to have enough. So the foolish ones leave, go try to find some more oil. And in the meantime, the bridegroom arrived. And he arrives just in time opens the door to the wedding feast, leads the five in that have the, the oil, and begins the, the banquet. And they made it. The door is shut. And then the, the foolish ones show up and want to know if they can come in. Says the master comes to the door and says, I, I don't know you. They, they didn't have what they needed to get there at that time. And I don't want to focus on that as much as the the positive that Brother John had the oil he needed. He was ready and he made it in. The first parable. The second one is known as the parable of the talents. Again, it's a simple story. It's a, a wealthy master. He's got a lot of possessions. He gathers his servants. He's about to go on a journey and he distributes his goods to his servants. And he leaves on the journey. He doesn't really even give them a lot of instructions. He just distributes the goods and leaves. And again, it's this long delay. And after a long time, he shows back up. And he, he gathers them back together to see what did they do with what they had been given. And we know the story. The, the one that he'd given five talents to, and the one he'd given two, came and said, here, this is what we did. We invested it. We used it. We have five more. We have two more. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a little. I'm going to give you a lot. And of course, we know what happened to the, the one to decide to bury his talent. And the last section of chapter 25 is another, I don't know if you call it a parable, a narrative that uh, is, again, simple. There's, there's this common theme now in all of them. But it's, it's a picture of the day of judgment. And the scene is that the Son of Man says he's come. He, this is Jesus talking. He said, I've come for the day of judgment. And he gathers all the nations together, all the people. And he immediately divides them into the sheep and the goats. And I, again, I think this is the parable that most accurately describes Brother John. And once the the division is set. He, he tells the sheep. He gathers them together. He tells them. And this is, I'm going to read this right out of the, 
out of the scriptures. It says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and he gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and he gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and he invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and we clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it unto me. Does that not sound familiar to all the stories we just heard? This is a portrait of Brother John. I guess the common thread to me that stood out in all these is that there's, there's always these two groups of people. All three scenarios also include a day of reckoning, a day of accounting. I think we all know that there's going to come that day when we're going to give an account to our Lord. Well, Brother John's day came last Tuesday, Tuesday morning, early, in the middle of the night, unexpectedly. But he was prepared. He was ready. After all these years, he had not run out of oil. Like a wise torchbearer, his lamp was still burning bright. Like the faithful servants in the, in the second parable, he had taken the talents he was given and put them to use for the kingdom of God. And like the sheep in the third, he faithfully, consistently looked for ways to meet the needs of those around him. In the end, I think he heard the words that every human heart wants to hear. He heard the words of his father say, well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful in a little. I'm going to give you a lot. Amen. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Amen. I know he heard those words. I count it an honor again to be part of your family. I count it an honor to know a man like Brother John. I want to follow his example. Before we, before we sing this song, I want to share one last memory that I have of our brother John. We saw him the day before he left for Mexico. But uh, we've known and felt, my wife and I and our family have felt very close to Brother John and, and Sister Kathy over the years. Brother John and I have been able to interact over the last couple of months. He approached me six to eight weeks ago, I don't have the timeline, and he, he, he said, uh, can I come see you for a minute? And I said, sure. And he, he arrived and he had that characteristic twinkle in his eye. And he shared about a brother in our church that, that he was aware of, was going through a, a difficult time physically and financially. So we just talked for a minute and then he kind of looked, at, he kind of, he did this deal where he kind of looked around both ways. He reached inside his, his jacket and he reached out this envelope and it, it just had that brother's name on it, but it didn't have his name, it didn't have Brother John's name on it. 
And he said, would you give this to this brother for me? I don't, I don't know a way of doing this anonymously uh, where he wouldn't find out other than through you or somebody like that. Would you, would you take this and give it to him and tell him that there's a brother that loves him and is praying for him? And I looked at him and I said, I'll, I'll do it, Brother John. But I want you to know that you're probably not surprised to know that that was not the last envelope that I got. And I, I would get regular text messages from him over the next few weeks where I'd, I'd get a text and say, could we meet up for a moment? And, and I, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to wonder what that was. And he'd always walk up to me and do the same thing. He'd go, <laughs> reach in and he'd hand it to me like that. And he'd, you know, and uh, that, that was Brother John. And on December, I believe he, believe you all left for, for Mexico on December 18th. And he sent me a message and he said, could I come see you? And my wife and I were getting ready to participate in kind of an online uh, service that we do. We started that, some of us, uh, during uh, COVID, if you're not aware of it, that, uh, where we would just reach out to some of our overseas communities and we'd have a, a chance to worship together. And it's, you know, we'll worship and then there'll be preaching and teaching. And we were heading into that, that live stream, as we call it. So I said, Brother John, I'm, I'm heading right in there. And he said, I'll meet you right after you're done. And I said, okay. So we got done and I was actually pulling out of the parking lot when his, his truck came in. And before our, our, our windows even came into alignment, he was already rolling down his window and he had that twinkle in his eye. And you can imagine he had that, he had that envelope and he handed it to me. And then he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm going to Mexico, right? And I said, I actually, I didn't know. That's, that's wonderful. And he said, well, I want to tell you about something. I was just actually participating. Sister Kathy and I were watching that live stream. And he said, you know, the last couple of days I've just been praying because I've, I've had a little tickle in my throat. I hadn't felt the best. And I found myself saying, God, do you want me to go to Mexico? And he said, right in the middle of that live stream, he said, I felt the power of God come over me. I started worshiping the Lord. And he said, I actually felt the Lord touch my body. And then he said, and I felt like I was supposed to go to Mexico. And then he looked at me and he said, and do you know what I feel right now? And I said, what? And he leaned out of his window and he put both fists in the air like this. And he said, I feel victory and joy like that. And I mean, you know, we talked for another minute, but when my wife and I drove away, we, we didn't realize that'd be the last time we'd see Brother John. But we were so impacted and we both kind of looked at each other and my wife said, you know, you feel that it is an incredible honor and a privilege to even have such a man like that as a friend and as a brother. And I said, I know, such a man of integrity and faith and victory. And I, I know that we probably haven't even scratched the surface of all the things that Brother John did in secret. But just as has already been referenced, Jesus said, what has been done in secret, your Father will reward you openly. And it gives me such joy and peace to know that God is rewarding him into the fullness today, in eternity. And I'll tell you, that's the picture that I'm going to have in my mind of Brother John forever. It's going to be that, that sense of him leaning out the truck window saying, I feel victory and I feel joy. Amen. And this is the song that they ask us to sing, the family. by bowing we live by dying 
When we give what we could never keep, we gain what we could never lose. Like beauty from ashes and joy from mourning, only you can take brokenness and make it something beautiful. And it's from glory to glory you tell our story and we will overcome we'll walk on the water with eyes on the father and nothing is impossible Rest is our weapon and joy is our strength. When we wait upon the Lord, we'll find strength to spread our wings and fly. Oh, and it's from glory to glory that you tell our story. We will overcome. Walk on the water with eyes on the Father, and nothing is impossible. I'll follow you anywhere, I'll follow you anywhere, I'll follow you. That you tell our story, but we will overcome. Yes, we will overcome. Oh, we will overcome. We will overcome. 